Welcome to episode three of Intro to Briscoe. I'm Matt, and joining me is a fellow Briscoe fan, Melanie. Hey, hey. And we've got newbie co-hosts, Will. Hello. And Caitlin. Howdy. And today we're joined by our special guest, Brad. Yay! Yay! Yay, <laughs> Yay for you! <laughs> me! <laughs> How you been? Ah. Uh, been having to watch X-Files. It's hard, guys. <laughs> it's hard work. We enjoy listening to all your hard work. <laughs> Hurrah. Your pain is our pleasure. <laughs> What's your history with Briscoe? Um, zero. I got nothing. Great. So uh, what do you think of it so far, then? I, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying much. Yeah? Uh, who's your favorite uh, character so far? I mean, you can't beat Bruce Campbell. He's pretty great. <laughs> he is. <laughs> what would you say is your least favorite part of the show so far? Um, well, I'm really upset that we lost Leslie Romney. Um, <laughs> because I mean, she was uh, she was so great in the first in the first episode as the stick in the mud daughter. <laughs> um, but she had to leave and go off to do Saved by the Bell of College Year, so I understand. <laughs> you don't foresee them bringing her back. I, I I I don't think so. <laughs> well, I won't shed any tears. Um, but she's she's a bad person on every show. Is she? So, I mean, she listen. Say by the bell spoilers, guys. She didn't even show up for her current roommate's wedding. So. Oh. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That is dastardly. <laughs> All right. So I think the first thing we'll do is re- reveal the high and low point of previous episode. Uh, the winners for the poll we had. So the high point winner. Everybody agreed with Claire, and the high point of the episode was the return of Pete. So I, It's true, I, it was pretty pretty awesome. I didn't think that one could lose, no. No. <laughs> and the winner of the low point is uh, Caitlin's pick, I think two weeks in a row, I think, Ooh. is the uh, reveal of uh, Iphigenia's love for her client, mm-hmm. which I agree was lame. I would have liked to have seen a, a competent woman lawyer, mm. but they had to go for the, uh, you know, the, what would you call that, a trope, stereotype? trope i guess mm. since it's tv um so never fall in love it makes you incompetent <laughs> <laughs> i think so yes i've got some trivia that i've been meaning to read in the, the past two episodes so i should probably just read it and get it out of the way so it's not sitting in my notes any any longer uh so this was uh briscoe was the the last production to be filmed on the famous laramie street backlot on the set at warner brothers studios which is where a lot of film and TV shows had been done for a long time, and uh, there's a huge history there. So they inherited a lot of costumes and props and sets, but after this, I'm pretty sure mostly everything was taken down because people weren't watching uh, westerns anymore. They weren't the thing. What do you guys think of westerns? I love westerns. I've been. I used to watch them with my grandfather. I think that's how I got into them. But yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I couldn't get into westerns. I just thought they were the things that my grandfather watched. <laughs> couldn't do it. I yeah, I can't stand most of them. My brother and dad went through a phase where I'm pretty sure they watched every single western movie that ever existed, mm. and it was like torture. <laughs> we we ran into a phase at one point where I was kind of obsessed with westerns, and then I forced you to watch them, and you hated them, and then you yeah. ended up loving them. <laughs> well, there's certain ones that are really good. Yeah, yeah. You, I didn't. Uh, I didn't like them when I was a kid, but no. I mean, Once Upon a Time in the West, that's you guys seen one. that one? Yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. Alright, so, uh, though the show only lasted one season, the series' majestic theme song, composed by Randy Edelman, found a new life as part of NBC's sports productions, namely during NBC broadcasts of the World Series 
and the Olympic Games played while announcing upcoming events. Timely. <laughs> so yeah, the Olympics are going on right now, and um, yeah, Briscoe's theme only was used for the TV show for one season, but it lives on to this day. Apparently, they're still using it. I think Victor DeGrand <laughs> awesome. just, po- just posted on the Facebook group that he he just heard it the other day. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's nuts. Nice. Yeah, that sounded familiar. <laughs> oh, you heard it before? I, yeah, I thought I had. I guess I assume maybe. I'm not sure if it's used. I don't think it's used in Canada, so we get the we wa- mostly watch would, our it would Canadian be, broadcasts. It would be Olympics. awesome though if you heard it and you would expect people to come out wearing cowboy hats and the whole yeah. deal. <laughs> I don't know if I can disassociate it from a cowboy theme. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. Briscoe's horse was billed in the credits as Comet the Wonder Horse and named Comet in the show, with the implication that he was the smartest character on the show. Com- yeah. Comet was portrayed by five horses. <laughs> Each, each with, with their a, powers combined. Yeah. <laughs> each with a different talent. The main horse was Copper, chosen by veteran wrangler Gordon Spencer because it was calm and gentle. Campbell nicknamed the horse Leadbelly due to its ability to remain calm during action or dialogue scenes. Another horse, Boss, was used for long-range shots, chase scenes, and elaborate stunts such as leaps through windows. Wow. <laughs> Ace was called in when the crew had to shoot scenes in which the horse reared. Near the end of the season, a horse named Comet was trained, its name chosen so that the horse would get used to hearing it on set. The true show show horse was Strip, which was an adept at doing tricks, such as lip movements, head nods, and uh, hoof stamping. (laughs) According to Spencer, all those stunts, as as well as tying the knots and opening the door and going into rooms and all that, were done by Strip. For these scenes, Spencer would stand off camera and use a stick to signal strip. Campbell had a special pocket sewn into his costume and filled it with grain <laughs> to reward strip after every take. <laughs> no other no other horse had more scenes than strip strip and copper. With white colorings on the nose and legs, strip's appearance was chosen for Briscoe's steed. Copper and the other horses were touched up with clown paint, uh, clown white grease paint to match strip's markings. <laughs> And the last bit of thing I have here is uh, when the series was being promoted in the summer of 1993, Fox Entertainment chief Sandy Grushow Grushow? Grushow said that if Campbell isn't the next big television star, I'll eat my desk. Aww. I wonder if he did that. (laughs) Uh, Let's look it up. Is he dead? (laughs) (laughs) Died of eating desk. (laughs) That's his obituary. (laughs) Uh, and there's a couple things of feedback from past uh, past episodes I should play here before we get into this episode. Uh, looks like we've got two that came in late for the last episode, so I'm just going to play them now. Actually, this one's not audio, it's text. I can read it if you want. You, you go ahead. Yeah. So, from Elizabeth Smith. Hi, Briscoe Podcasters. I think I'm too late for the second episode. I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. I bought the DVDs a year years ago at Black Friday at a Black Friday sale and somehow never got around to watching them. This is the kick in the pants I needed to finally watch the show. After watching the first two episodes, I'm not quite in love with the series, but I'm definitely interested in continuing. Although there is a lot of humor, I feel that Bruce Campbell could be unleashed even more. The more sarcasm, the better in my opinion. Which is not to say I'm not enjoying it. The villains have been mostly interesting. I especially like Pete. I was surprised to see him again in the second episode. The underwater fight after Briscoe predicted it made me giggle with glee. <laughs> Sorry for the late feedback, and I look forward to following along with you guys. Thanks, Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah let's unleash Bruce Campbell. Yes, one more. Uh, this one's from Daniela Cox. 
Hi there. Little introduction first. My name is Daniela Cox, and I live in Germany. I first watched Briscoe way back in the early 1990s on German TV, which also implies that it was dubbed. For some reason, I stumbled across it again last year, and so I ordered the box set and fell in love a second time. Feedback Episode 2 The fun thing about Episode 2 is that it brings back one of my favorite characters, Pete Hutter. Killing this wisecracking character off once and for all in the pilot would have been a grave mistake. His pronunciation of Brisco is the best by far. <laughs> <laughs> As far as characters are concerned, Iphigenia Poole is an absolute treat. <laughs> Though at first she seems a little bit flawed by her female compassion, she makes more than up for it when Jack Randolph drops his mask. Far from being the lady in distress, she shows that she is quick-witted and remonstrates Briscoe Zwinkernes smiley. Uh, I don't know. Zwinkernes? That's an emoticon that got... Oh, it's a winky emoticon. Yeah, it got turned am... into English text when I pasted it. <laughs> well, I mean German German text, I guess. That's how you say a winky okay. emoticon in German? Zwinkernades. <laughs> Smiley. It's, I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Also, okay. Also, her bringing more insight into Socrates, Bunny's background, provides more depth to the character drawing. Plot-wise, I love the running joke of things being too heavy, or the way Buller's character is employed, how he sort of crushes the expectations or drives the plot. Though it is quite convenient that he appears just in time to free Iphigenia and Briscoe, he, being still mad at Briscoe, leaves them behind to tackle the task themselves. On the other hand, he forces Briscoe to do exactly what Briscoe himself had just declared he would never do, that is, face Jack Randolph in an underwater battle. I'm just fond of such meta-levels or meta levels, when a character describes a situation he would not like to happen, and the spectator already knows that it will happen just like described. But one does not quite know how the screenwriters will bring this about. This is hoping I'm not too late. All right. Thanks, Daniela. I really want to hear what the German dub of Bruce Campbell sounds like. Yeah, send us a a clip of that if you have it. (laughs) I I really want to know what uh, German bowler sounds like. Oh, yes! (laughs) German Socrates? Yeah. Particularly, it would have sounded like the Orb Scholar. Mm. I'm going to start into the episode recap. So if you guys have any notes while I'm going through this, just please Chime stop in. me. Chime in. I do not mind if you yell over me. We interrupt. Can interrupt me and just retake it and I'll cut it out. It'll be seamless. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The magic of editing. Yeah. Ooh. All right. We open up and we've got a. Uh, we're at the Westerfield Club. Uh, Socrates is playing golf. It's got some bitchin' style going on. Nice argyle socks on. It's four minutes before you get to that though. Yeah, you skip over the recap. Like. Wow. Yeah, I skipped over the recap because we already know what happened. Oh, but yeah, but I kind of liked it though. It's great, but it goes. It's the the recap and then through the theme song is four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Way yeah. too long. It's like this whole episode could be a mini movie. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it completely uh, recaps everything we've seen, and it effectively destroys any chance we see of having a cold open, mm. which is odd. But uh, I remember somebody mentioned that they, they missed seeing all the orb stuff in the second episode, so mm-hmm. are you guys glad to see the orb back? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. The orb intrigues you? I loved this episode, actually. Oh, it's going to come out with that right away, huh? Yep. Spoiler. Great. It's, just, it's funny Exciting. because when I reading about the series the the executives and the writers uh they just they always flip-flop back and forth about what the show should be about like they get notes from the executives all the time like more orb more sci-fi or less sci-fi more just straight western more john bly less john bly like they're just scrambling to find what the audience wanted so 
it's kind of a schizophrenic show. Uh, so Briscoe enters and he inquires about golf. He was he was in Oregon and he got a lead on Bly. Thank you. They said Oregon, which is not the way you say it. How do you say it? The way you said it, Oregon. Oregon. Okay. Oh, I said it right. Yeah. <laughs> I could say it like uh, David Lynch, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the locals make a big deal about how you pronounce it. Uh, All right. Well, it's good to know. Briscoe says that uh, Socrates is an athlete. I hardly feel that you need to be an athlete to play golf. (laughs) More than poker. Yes, (laughs) that is true. Which is is also on the sports network. (laughs) Yes. At least you're walking around and swinging a a golf club. Yeah. So we learn about the sheriff of uh, Poker Flats. Yeah, Donovan Joe. Who's Briscoe's old friend? He used to work with him for his father, and uh, at one point they were tracking the the Swill brothers. And uh, we go to a flashback where there's your sepia tones there, Matt. Yeah. This is... <laughs> <laughs> we go to a flashback where the guy portraying young Briscoe can't be more than five years younger than actual Briscoe. <laughs> no. There was no need to use a different actor, in my opinion. Yeah. I was expecting to see another actor. You were yeah. expecting, but were you expecting yeah. him to be like much younger? instead of like but yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah I couldn't tell if that was uh Arlie Ermey as his I think father it was. I don't know yeah I think it was I'm pretty sure Let's like it. yeah because he was kind of just a silhouette he was just hazy they were tracking the Swill brothers and then uh they came to a spot and then Joe just bails and he leaves Briscoe behind and Briscoe gets shot what a jerk <laughs> Donovan Joe is now the sheriff of Poker Flats and uh Briscoe can forgive but you can never forget. Never forget, guys. <laughs> <laughs> never forget the time. <laughs> Briscoe tries his hand at golf. First, Socrates is pretty incredulous because he, he expects Briscoe's going to be an expert at that, too. And he doesn't get out of the way. <laughs> he gets right in the way. <laughs> he wants to save his window. <laughs> no. Briscoe well, does a power He drives drive. a ball inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. He doesn't grasp the, the concept of how Swinging hard to, a club. <laughs> swinging a club. I think he did it on purpose. So, so at least maybe he did it on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Just to piss Socrates off. Yeah. But I can't imagine Briscoe's that much of a failure at something. So yeah, he ruins a window. We cut to the old uh, trusty road map with the line going across it. And it looks like a, a really long trip. That line went on for quite a while. Mm. And come in on Briscoe arguing with Comet over a stick that could have been a snake. That was delightful. <laughs> they come upon a holdup, and Comet's supposed to take the guy on the right, but he's a little slow in the uptake. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe it's a mistake to treat a horse as a person, guys. <laughs> or maybe Comet just has too much toot for him, and he's like, it's your idea, you do it. I think this just clearly shows that Briscoe can't actually communicate with Comet, and he's... But he was talking to him! <laughs> I think I think Comet's just trying to let Briscoe know who's boss. Maybe. He's like, I've got control over this situation, not you. Yeah. You guys like the little interplay with, with the horse here? Yes. Mm, yeah. Comments a good time. Don't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. I don't know what you were hearing, Mel, but I sure didn't <laughs> For a good time. Call comment. Call comment. <laughs> so Briscoe rescues the dude, uh, but that guy thinks that taking these men in to the jail is going to be a mistake. Soon we see why, as Deputy Robert Pic- Picardo. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. There's. 
You guys all recognize Robert Picardo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. What? You don't recognize him, though? No. I guess you didn't watch Star Trek. Not <laughs> Star too Trek much. Voyager, he was the no, doctor. No, I didn't watch that one. Uh, did you watch the first Howling? He's also movie? in Stargate Atlantis. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Who'd he play? He's like in everything, though. Like, he's like really minor guest spots on a lot of TV shows. He was the uh, the main werewolf in the first Howling movie as well, a long time ago. Yeah. He's like the villain in like a thousand 80s movies as well. Yeah. <laughs> but here he plays is a guy named Pule. Which is probably the worst name I've ever heard. Pule. I just... Ugh, makes me want to vomit when I say it. They picked well. What if Socrates' name was Pule? Socrates Pule. <laughs> That's the, the correct pronunciation, actually. <laughs> yeah. So Pule uh, goes to lock up Briscoe, but he's got to get the keys from his crazy dog first. <laughs> okay, now this seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, even if it's a very vicious dog, first of all, you don't want to have to deal with a vicious dog. Second of all, maybe don't trust a dog with keys. <laughs> Put him on a wall. I guess the point is is that the sheriff is the only one who has complete control over the dog and the dog will trust. Yeah, but obviously... He's so not... the sheriff has all the power. But obviously he's not there all the time and other people still got to do their jobs. Yeah, and does anyone really have complete control over a dog? The Beastmaster. If the dog is scared <laughs> enough of him... What was that? <laughs> Was that Caitlin? I said if the, yeah, I said if the dog is scared enough of him. I mean, I think it's it's an okay plan, but <laughs> So he locks up Briscoe and the guy that he rescued. Can we talk about the professor for a second? Because I've got some ideas off the bat. First of all, how how is it that he knew that uh uh taking those guys in would be a bad idea? Is it because he's from that town or is it because of something else? Doesn't really explain it, does it? Uh... You think he can read minds? <laughs> One better. I think he's Santa Claus. <laughs> wow. Oh, he knows who's naughty and nice. Yeah. Just saying. I'm just saying. He travels at the speed of light. Yeah. The orb looks like a giant Christmas decoration. <laughs> that could be a tree topper. Or maybe the orb also gives him like some special powers to see the future a bit. And he's like, this is why you can't die now, Briscoe. The, the my, orb is mysterious. I have my own theories What's, about the professor, but I'll talk about that later. Okay. Yeah. What do you guys think of this professor in contrast to the other professor? It's not as much fun, yeah. Yeah. This guy's got powers, but I mean, even with powers, he's not as cool as Professor Wickwire. No. I mean, it's night and day. This is like the most low-key guy. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh yeah, hmm, well, this is supposed to happen. Hmm, <laughs> mysterious. Yeah. Briscoe ends up sitting on Lord Bulwark. <laughs> This is exactly what happens when, uh, with our cats. When one our lays, cats, Briscoe and Bowler? Yes, when one lays under the blankets, and then the other one will lay on top of them, and then the other one, the one that's under, will get really angry. Yeah. <laughs> I love this scene. This, uh, it's reading. hilarious. I think I'm starting to change my mind about Lord Bowler Good. coming around. Yeah. I found that in this episode, he's he's still, like, kind of a buffoon, but he's not an inept buffoon, and he's not, like, completely stupid. He's just, you know... He's a little goofy. He's just yeah, goofy. That's a good word. I, I agree with what some people said before. In the in the pilot, he was made out to be too bumbling. Yeah. Yeah. This is more the bowler I remember. I love all of his lines. I have a lot of them written down. <laughs> <laughs> he pinches uh, Briscoe in the face to make sure that he's not <laughs> he's not still sleeping. Uh, uh, talks about his title, whether it's made up or not. These are all specific quotes. What do you guys think? Do you guys think he made up that title? Yeah. He says as much. Yes. Yes. I made it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of disappointed. I was hoping he was a real lord. <laughs> but can you have that designation in the States? I don't know. No, uh, can you? Makes sense. Have you guys ever met a lord of anything? Or heard of one? Only of the dance. 
<laughs> true, true. Bowler lets Briscoe know that uh, he's there because he recognized a guy who had a bounty on his head, and the, pretty much the same thing happened. Brought him in, Pule locked him up. Briscoe notices that the professor is looking at a notebook full of drawings of the orb, and uh, he questions him about it, but the man wants to know what Briscoe knows. And uh, apparently the professor studied it his whole life. His whole life. So, yeah, his whole life. Wasn't it discovered in the pilot? So yeah. Maybe the professor buried it. Because he's like, yeah, the powers of the orb can be used for like terrible things. So he's like, this is too much. Let's just hide it. And then some people unearth it. Uh, so he used the powers of the orb to pick up a mountain and place it on the orb. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the power of Christmas is very powerful. <laughs> you just have to look into your heart. Yeah. <laughs> and then Donovan Joe walks in. Yes, Donovan Joe is reintroduced. I find he looks like a mixture between Gary Busey and Mike yes. from Twin Peaks. <laughs> Gary, Gary Busey and Gary Hershberger. <laughs> yes, the two Gary. Nice. Yeah, I wrote down Gary Busey. <laughs> With a mullet on top of that. Oh. But, but he's... He's played by Pat Skipper, who, uh, I went through his credits. He played Seabiscuit's vet in Seabiscuit. <laughs> uh, and then he's he's got a recurring uh, role on X-Files, but you guys aren't there yet, so I'm not going to mention who he plays. So, look forward to seeing him in the future, Brad. I will look forward to it. <laughs> oh boy, I can't wait. Hope it's uh, mythology related. It is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The professor actually is played by Brandon Maggart. Uh, I went through his credits as well. He's been in a bunch of TV shows I've never heard of because they're quite old. So, um, but he had a recurring part as Buddy on I think the first season of Sesame Street. But I don't recall who Buddy is. No, because we weren't alive at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean they replayed them, and we did watch the DVD. Yeah, the DVD. <laughs> Yeah, we, there was. They put out a DVD of Sesame Street, like really like old ones. The old ones, like the first few episodes recently, and uh, it's pretty funny because uh, they put on right at the beginning. They put on uh, a disclaimer that kids nowadays should not watch this. Because <laughs> <laughs> the very first scene is a guy inviting a little, or strange little girl that he doesn't know in for cookies. He's yeah. like, "Do you want to come into my apartment for some cookies?" She's like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> Dr. Chris Hansen, please get on the situation. <laughs> this is not appropriate. No. So I guess people weren't as aware of uh, Stranger Danger back then. Yikes. Uh, there's other stuff too, but yeah. Yeah. It's kids today are too stuff. sensitive, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he ends up letting Briscoe go, and he fires the deputies. I'm sure he hired them back later. <laughs> yeah, no, what? Why let him out? I I was also wondering this because the next scene he just double crosses him again or whatever. Dunks him in a well. <laughs> yeah, so I was wondering that as well. Um, the only thing I can think of is he he just he just wanted closure. He just wanted a chance to let's um, have one last dinner. Yeah, because if he wanted closure, he just wanted to tell him how he's been haunting him his whole life and. He's always afraid that he's going to come back for revenge. He could have told him that through the bars. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just toying with your emotions, Matt. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, well, he gets him to let uh, the professor and Lord Bowler go as well, anyways. And then, yes, they go to dinner, and he explains how he's haunted him his whole life. That's some uh, really pent-up guilt there he's got. Then he gets uh, all his boys to beat up Briscoe, and they stick him in a, a bucket above a well, I guess. I guess. Is he sitting in a bucket or is he just tied to he was a rope? He's just tied to a rope. <laughs> yeah. There's a bucket there. It's at the end of the rope. He's tied to the rope higher up. Yeah. Under oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah, they're dunking him, so- softening him up for uh, <laughs> the real. 
big boss here. John Bly has returned. Hmm. Brad, such what? a small head. Does <laughs> he have a small head? He's got a lot of hair. He's got big hair. What yeah. kind of haircut do you say? It's like a page boy haircut, kind of. Kind of. But not really. It's like a layered page boy. <laughs> he's like a western David Bowie. <laughs> yes, he's good. Ah, so much. Yes. <laughs> he's got the same cheekbones. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like him, Brad? Or Oh, yeah. He's great. <laughs> you ever seen the actor before? I, I don't think so. I looked. I looked on IMDb. I just don't. Doesn't. Doesn't place. But uh, have you guys noticed him blink yet? Because I haven't. <laughs> he doesn't blink. Uh, yeah, I just knew he was creeping me out somehow. The way he was, you know, where's the Briscoe? He was. He's pulling some Michael Caine tactics. <laughs> yeah, because he he moves real slow and he uh, he gestures with his wrists and his arms very like lightly and close to his body good job, Matt. sometimes that's doing and a good job Bly right now <laughs> I'm doing it Bly and then other, ti- other times he makes grand gestures but yeah, yeah that's usually only when he has a crowd <laughs> I'm picturing a cowboy hat on your head right now <laughs> <laughs> it's a very effective way of being creepy plus yeah it doesn't blink it makes him look like a snake mm. like every time I see him I hear in my head <laughs> You hear some parcel tongue. Yes. <laughs> so they keep on dunking them, and uh, Bly wants to know where the orb is. Briscoe obviously doesn't know, so they just <clears throat> let him go and uh, into the well. Let him go with a pun. <sighs> oh, yes. They did deliver a pun. Do you want to... No, well, that could be a quote. Nah. No one, no one has the pun as a quote, do they? <laughs> it's awful. Cool. All's well uh, that ends well, huh, County? I didn't even get it until you said it. <laughs> and I was like, no, a pun! No! <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even realize he was Yikes. he was punning until Mel said it. <laughs> um, Pun's my mortal enemy. <laughs> it seems kind of stupid of Donovan Joe to not know that the well like was linked to an underground river. But I can understand Bly not knowing because this isn't his town, but whatever. Yeah, that water's got to come from somewhere. But I don't think... Uh, I think the bottom actually fell out of the well, and he fell, and he fell into... An underground river. You think so? Oh. Yeah, because when he when he fell, I'm pretty sure a lot of rubble came down through with them, right? Yeah, I, there was a bit of rubble. I didn't think. Okay. And I think there was a crash sound. So that's the impression I got. I don't know. Is that what you guys thought happened? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. There's a river below. I'll like, buy it. Kinda... Sounds but That's plausible. where they dunk the bucket. Oh yeah, there does seem to be some rubble and some uh, debris. I don't know. Mm. It's, it's, it's bigger than the hole. But it's very awkwardly uh, um, tagged in the. I just I don't even know how he didn't bash his head on any rocks the whole way down. Mm. I'm sure he got pretty beat up. Probably used to getting his head hit. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a big head, so. Got a lot of hair. Mm. It's okay. I wrote down. I hope this isn't somebody's quote, but Donovan Joe said that. He led Briscoe into a trap because Briscoe was too damn good at everything. Mm-hmm. Just another one of those lines about how Briscoe is so good at everything. Stupid golden boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pent up jealousy, I guess. That's why he sold him. I mean, like, I'm willing to accept, like, Bruce Campbell good at everything, <laughs> but I feel like this show has not <laughs> really developed that. <laughs> no, not yet. He's still, like, a burgeoning bounty hunter. Mm. He's still yeah. not an expert at that, at least. But he did work as a lawman before becoming a, a lawyer, mm. so he does have experience. So John Bly also wants Bowler. Bly figures they might as well get Bowler as well, so that uh, if they get Briscoe and Bowler, other bounty hunters will be scared to hunt him. Uh, he notices Joe rolling a cigarette in uh, a notebook page from that orb book, <laughs> and uh, he asks uh, who else was locked up. 
we cut to Briscoe, who has a hurt thumb, and he's, like, waving it around, and then he accidentally inv- invents hitchhiking. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even figure that. I didn't understand what was happening until the second time I watched really this. Weird. <laughs> I was like, wait, oh... That's the joke. Okay. All right. <laughs> Why was he looking at his, his thumb? Is the only thing he like sprained when he was like going through the yeah. river? <laughs> I didn't hit my head, but man, my thumb hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the joke, Brad. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of these uh, when they do these little, uh, I don't know, anachronistic, yeah, jokes. I just they're um, than puns, really? I yeah, maybe. Because it's so, it's so over the top. Like, I'm inventing hitchhiking. All right. (laughs) Well, these aren't going away anytime soon. (laughs) Fair warning. Fair warning. I kind of enjoy them. I just love his face. Like, after he gets on, he looks at his thumb and it cocks his head. (laughs) It's like, huh. Uh, It is kind of cheesy, but. Yeah, it's very cheesy. In a delightful way, Bruce Campbell is cheesy as well, so. Mm. Yeah. I just think they can do better. I just think they can do better. Okay, keep us uh, informed about what you think of the future anachronistic uh, jokes. <laughs> so Bowler goes to a restaurant. So it seems to be a thing where they don't let the main characters eat in restaurants. <laughs> so they far. just always pull them away from their meal. Yeah, and then they end up getting it in jail, don't they? Yeah, or, or, they, or they always try to get it. For, it must be a running joke. Yeah, Bowler's uh, incredulous at the, the specials. <laughs> so great. Fuel has his cronies put... Uh, Buller back in jail, but not before Buller screams for takeout. And apparently they let him have it. <laughs> I know. Well, they give him jail food. You think it was jail food? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The way he turned up his nose at that. Uh, yeah, because he makes his crazy cartoon. <laughs> oh, I, was, I was too busy taking notes. I didn't see his face. Oh, yeah. I, I thought for a second he's screaming for takeout. They're like, oh, hold up, boys. Wait till he gets his meal. Yeah, I thought they <laughs> actually gave him like an actual plate. Like everything. <laughs> they just they just sit around waiting, like just grabbing his arms till his meal's done. Then they drag him to jail. <laughs> no. How many men did they get to take him out? Was that like four people? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a big he's a big guy. So everyone like it seems like a lot of people in the show have pirate shirts. I know it's probably, <laughs> but are they like former pirates or something? Because the ex sheriff has a pirate shirt. <laughs> John Bly has a pirate shirt. <laughs> he he's got pirate boots. Fancy enough to wear one. Yeah. John Bly has pirate boots. Did you guys no- notice? Yeah. Oh. I did not. When he pulls his gun out of his boot later on. Old Sheriff tells Bowler his story and then warns again against tempting Joe's dog with food, but Bowler tries anyways. Can't get the keys and he loses his meal that he didn't really want. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut to Puel at a poker game and uh, he's got to go to the outhouse. Uh, Bowler locks him in. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Huh? Gotta go see a man about a horse? Is that something that you actually say when you're about to go to the bathroom? And I was wondering. I'm... For real? Yeah, I've heard that before. Really? Yeah. Is it, is, it an, is, it, is it just an Old West thing? Or is it still used today? I, I think it's still used today. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've ah. never heard that before. I was like, that can't be a real thing. Oh, yeah. Huh. It's an urban dictionary. Really? Yeah. Huh. Read the entry. Okay. Um, let me pick the best one, though. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, there's a, a questionable definition here. This one is going on a sexual ex- escapade with a man hung like a horse. Oh, uh, my. <laughs> Maybe that's what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, used by males to politely excuse themselves to the washroom for number one purposes. <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny if he was trying to have a rendezvous in the outhouse. <laughs> 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 uh. Two people in a skunk. 
did have a rendezvous, yeah. <laughs> yes. Just not with who we was expecting, I guess. So I, I've been in ad- outhouses before, and I've been in things that latch with like you know just a simple like the metal little yeah. latch. But how does how does taking the handle off lock him in? I don't get it. Mm. And I think okay. There's a ho- this is my guess. There's a horizontal bar that yeah. kind of like falls into the frame, and like. Maybe the hole is too big to like put your finger and lift up the the sort of like the bolt that falls down, and you need the handle to lift it up. Oh. But wouldn't that be on the inside? It could be on the other side. Other side, I think. I don't know. Usually, yeah, the you're, locking no, you're right. me- okay. mechanism would be on your side. <laughs> no, it's true. There must be one on both sides. But maybe when you pulled the handle out one side, it, like yeah, so maybe there's a handle on the other side. It's just an example of shoddy carpeting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so he throws a skunk in there with him, anyways. Um, Worst. Oh. <laughs> I like how he's like, ah, a skunk. Wait, I'm not afraid of skunks. <laughs> First of all, who's not afraid of skunks? Yeah. I guess he's not. He doesn't care if he stinks. I'm not afraid of skunks per se. Just afraid of them spraying me. I guess. Yes, that's, well, that's, and yeah. if, if you were trapped <laughs> in there, and if you're trapped in there with it, it, there's a very good chance it would bite you. Yeah, I well, would imagine. And it might have rabies as well. I guess. Mm. Yeah. And your eyes are gonna burn. <laughs> you're in tight spaces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he uh, rattles it up, and the skunk gets angry. That's enough to to get fuel to give up Bly's location. Uh, he's staying at a, a abandoned saloon. And then he leaves him alone with the skunk. And gives him the handle. I don't know how he's going to get out of there just holding the handle, but... So, I don't know. <laughs> he won't even get out of there. <laughs> yeah, he does later. Yeah, someone else got up. His, li- his liaison uh, ended up stopping by. Lord Bowler's uh, made a hook with a fork. Like a regular MacGyver. Yeah, I don't think this would work. <laughs> a fork, I don't think so. Eh, it might. A fishing hook, maybe, but a fork—it's not curved enough, right? Well, he curved it. He Did bent he? it. Yes, he bent yeah. it. Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, he gets a lucky shot with the hook, grabs the rug, pulls the dog closer. That would have totally woken the dog up. There's no way that pulling a rug with a sleeping dog on it would not wake the dog up. I've mm. never seen any dog be a heavy sleeper. Mm. Ever. Maybe mm. I'm mistaken, but... I don't know. Maybe just ate a... A, a, a big meal. meal. All those potatoes made him pretty heavy. <laughs> Jail foods, it's heavy in your stomach. Yeah. yeah. After he brought him closer and he grabbed the uh, the key, he like kind of congratulated himself while still holding his hands outside of the bars. <laughs> it would have been funny if he woke it up at that point and bit his hands. Yeah. I was ex- half expecting that. Mm. <clears throat> I think it'll be, they could have dealt with one more dog joke, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Risco goes to confront Bly. Uh, he gets the draw on him. Still not blinking. Uh, we're going to keep a count of blinks. So far, it's zero. Yeah, he's like to... slow blinks. He does slow bl- like he'll like. That's that's eyes closed. That's not yeah, a blink. Yeah, he closes <laughs> his eyes, but it's not a blink. Yeah. And he only does that once in this episode. Yeah. Um, we're gonna go back to the first episode and rewatch Bly's scenes, and we'll we'll uh, doesn't blink. We'll make sure there's no blinks no. blinks there either. This is creepy. Uh, he gets a draw on him, and he tells him to put some shackles on. But Bly, uh, Bly taunts him into a fist fight, so they uh, take off their their guns, take off their belts. I was expecting them to keep stripping. <laughs> <laughs> they just just keep... have a naked like mud wrestle or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Joe Donovan comes in a few seconds later. There's just two naked men wrestling in the dirt (laughs) on the dust of the floor. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to smoke it. 
just went to see a man about a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Donovan Joe shows up before the fight can begin. What odds would you give that fight? I was going to say, of course, Briscoe has to win. I'd give him, I don't know, mm. three to one odds. <laughs> well, I would be a dirty fighter, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, an unblinking David Bowie is a is I I don't want to I don't want to mess with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think you should stare at him directly in his eyes either. No. <laughs> uh, like turn in, turn you into stone or something. <laughs> he's like a lizard where they have kind of like I don't know if I'm making this up or not. But it, there's like two films over their eyes. There's an eyelid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just like that. Maybe if you like pulled his arm off and like. <laughs> <laughs> you, you say it was grow back? What? Yes. No, oh, that's creepy. <laughs> well, if that's, that's the case, if that's the case, maybe he would win. But uh, <laughs> I think Bly is just—he's so scrawny. I, I can't see him beating Briscoe in a fight. No, but he's wily. Mm. Yeah. He's good with his words. Yeah. Yeah. He'll just bite him <laughs> <laughs> and like suck his soul out because he's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. He'll bite him and the wound will get infected. <laughs> That's yeah. his plan. Yeah. <laughs> then only the magic of Christmas can save Prisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe comes in, he's got the Professor hot he's got Santa Claus hostage. Uh, oh no, Santa! <laughs> Santa's pretty mad at Briscoe. Um <laughs> I'm not going to be like Robin and uh, force the actual name of the character onto something uh, when you guys give it a new name. <laughs> awesome. He is from now, from now on Santa Claus. Uh, so Bly... Bly's going to kill Briscoe with his father's gun. Yeah, if Santa Claus doesn't tell him where the orb is. So, uh... And ruin Christmas for everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no presents for anyone. So he tells him where the orb is, but Bly, uh... He shoots Briscoe anyways. What'd you guys think of that? Not surprised. You weren't surprised? No. So had you already, like, pre-guessed that he would uh, be saved by the orb? Uh, no, I just figured something would happen. That, well, not that I knew he was going to shoot Briscoe. I just knew I wasn't surprised you know, that he kind of sort of looked at well when he you know, did it anyway. Mm. I, I was surprised. Usually in a situation, yeah, usually in a situation like this, some you know something comes in at the last second to stop the villain from killing the hero. I, I thought he would like not actually have been shot. Like he gets like I don't know, you know, the bulletproof plate or whatever. Yeah, he's got like a stove plate underneath <laughs> yeah. it, like uh, Marty McFly. I thought, like, <laughs> I thought like in true villain fashion that he would have like shown him his master plan. And then something would have happened yeah. in the meantime. <laughs> His master plan is just orb equals profit. Yeah. <laughs> orb plus question mark equals profit. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jedi powers activate. Yes. Santa Claus uses Christmas magic <laughs> to convince... Or no, this he... guy... No, so this is this is my theory. This guy is Robert Patrick Modell from the X-Files. <laughs> Cerulean oh. blue Cerulean is the color. <laughs> yes, we're having another crossover with the oh, X-Files boy. here. <laughs> First we had the crossover with the diving suit, now we're having a crossover pusher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he pushes his will onto the guy and makes yeah. him think that the place is burning down. I like that he had to take off his glasses to do it. Mm. <laughs> it's like his eye powers won't work through the glasses. <laughs> He's like Cyclops. <laughs> it's like in Artemis Fowl, the fairies have like this power, it's called Mesmer, and they speak to you, and you do what they want, it's pushing like that. Mm. And But... If you wear sunglasses, it won't work on you, so it like, can't go through. <laughs> <laughs> and you also look cool. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad uh, there was no such thing as sunglasses back then. <laughs> uh, I think there were. Was there? I haven't seen anybody yet. 
I think I've seen old timey westerns with sunglasses, but I think they was only ever on like blind people. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I've yeah. seen those. Yeah. And then yeah, he just kind of leaves. Yeah. Just leaves Briscoe there. Leaves him to bleeding. Die. Yeah. Yes. What the hell? <laughs> he's got he's got orbs to catch. Mm. Bowler, bowler. Bowler comes in. Yeah. Or no, wait. Bowler roughs up fuel first. Yeah. Well, that's in the what I uh, in the water and uh, water and hole there for the the horses the tr- trough trow. Is it trough or trough or trow? Trough. 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 Yeah, it's trough. Trow is a garden implement. Trowel. Trowel. Okay. I think we're gonna have to go through the dictionary tonight, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm missing parts of the English language. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he gets the information from Puel and then <laughs> in a delightful manner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By ducking him. Bowler comes upon Briscoe, and it seems there is no hope for Briscoe, and uh, he just wants Bowler to be there as he dies. And, and sing to him. They start talking about him as a kid. You know, uh, apparently, Buller was orphaned at 11. But before that, his mother used to m- make him go to church twice a day and sing in the choir. So he, he worked up some skills. So oh, mad. <laughs> he, already, he already had some innate talent, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, it was nice. It was beautiful. Uh, it was nice. Nice tender <laughs> moment. Yeah. Except it was, I find when people sing to other people, I find it's really awkward. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I'm interrupting exactly. a personal moment, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It just makes me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, that'd be funny if he just, like, it, he starts singing to Briscoe and it just cuts to him. He's like, and he's might... like squirming. <laughs> that... <laughs> squirming. Kills him pretty much. Squirming. This is, this is weird. Oh, God. I just want to die in peace and this guy sing at me. Oh, God. Yeah, I think this is why I feel uncomfortable whenever I watch a musical, too. I just feel like I'm interrupting private moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so am I under- to understand that you'll never sing us a song, Mel? Well, I'll sing you a song because we're having a private moment between us. But she just doesn't want anyone watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so could I, could I sing a song to Caitlin? <laughs> would that be okay? We would have to leave. <laughs> 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 no, I'm a part of this, guys. I think. Am I invited? <laughs> no, you're not. No. <laughs> Please leave. Yeah. We're having a private moment. So, uh, yeah, Buller uh, sings for Briscoe, and uh, Briscoe seems like he's he's about to die. He starts asking for his dad, just as the professor returns with the orb. I mean, Santa Claus returns with the orb. <laughs> And he says that... Touch the orb. Come you on, must touch, touch it. it. You touch know it. you want it. Where's Chris Hansen? <laughs> I've got the chat logs right here. You said you must touch my orb. <laughs> <laughs> Just have faith and touch my orb. Have faith. Pull the rod out. <laughs> Pull the rod out. <laughs> uh, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of how vague this guy is here. He's just like, you must touch it. And he's like, what is the orb? It's faith. What? That's a concept. That's not a thing. That's not like a physical thing. Believe and, in the power of Christmas. And he's like, you, you must, must have be- the Christmas spirit. Yeah. And he's like, you just have to have faith. And if I was Briscoe, I'd be like, faith in what? Faith that the orb's going to do what? You haven't explained what this thing does. Listen, yeah, this but- movie, this this episode is pretty much uh, Ernest saves Christmas. <laughs> Do you remember they had like Santa Claus bag with like the the orb thing that gives you the presents? Oh, I do not remember. All I remember is no. uh, Ernest goes to jail and Ernest, uh, the Halloween one. The scared stupid. Scared stupid. <laughs> yeah. Those are the only two I remember, but I'll take your word on it. <laughs> Bonus episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, Briscoe pulls pulls Santa Claus's orb out. And, uh, <laughs> oh no! And then he gets hit by lightning. I think it's because he's about to die. He just doesn't know what he's doing. He's desperate. He's desperate yeah. for anything. So I'll he just try grabs. anything. Yes, I'll try anything. Unzip those pants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Bowler, could you leave for a second? I gotta <laughs> see a man on a horse. <laughs> You'll <live the> horse. <laughs> yeah. So he gets hit by a lightning and uh, he appears dead, and the professor's gone. Like, oh, gotta go. And then uh, I like bo- the look on Bowler's face at the moment when he realizes professor's gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. Crap! What have I gotten into? <laughs> I wonder where the professor went. Yeah, I don't know. What happened? Back to the North Pole. <laughs> oh. Up the chimney. Yeah, <laughs> of the chimney. Yes. Oh, uh, I want to superimpose like a sled and reindeer on, on in the sky in one of these scenes, <laughs> just flying away. Um, because like he comes back with the orb, like it's not in like the crater. It's not in a crater or anything. He's just carrying it around. Maybe he rides off into the sunset on top of the orb. Yeah, he floats away. <laughs> yes. Or his wagon was secretly his sleigh. Yeah. Oh yeah. The horses are actually like reindeer disguised as horses. Yes, <laughs> they're, they're, they're wearing pantomime horse outfits. Yes, yes. Uh, amazing. Uh. Um, so then we cut to John Bly, and he his eyes get a much needed moistening as he closes his <laughs> eyes as a, as a breeze passes over him. <laughs> uh, the breeze was, just took it over the edge. It was just too dry. It felt like sand in there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very important to note, it's not a blink, closes his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somehow he knows that Briscoe's not dead, and he tells Joe to go back and kill Briscoe. You kill Briscoe or I'll kill you. Briscoe's, like, putting out his aura everywhere. Like, Bly can tell he's alive. Uh, Jack Randolph could tell he was tr- uh, chasing him, even though he couldn't see him. Briscoe's, uh, he's got a large uh, sphere of influence. He's astral projecting. <laughs> yeah. Something. <laughs> He's doing something. Uh, so Joe's pretty scared. Uh, we cut to the empty streets, and Ghost Briscoe and Comet come at him very slowly. Either this guy has really bad aim, or the orb is protecting Briscoe. Yeah, I'm still wondering about that. Mm, what do you guys make of the scene? I think it's like when Doctor Who regenerates. For a while, he still has regeneration powers, and he can't be killed. Oh. Oh, um. oh how would that? What about Comet? Maybe he just wasn't aiming at Comet. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. No, Comet, Comet, Santa's reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the, the orb. Actually, this whole show is an origin story of how Comet became one of Santa's reindeer. Oh In the last episode, the orb turns Comet into a reindeer. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> and they hitch him up to Cupid, and then they off they go. <laughs> Aww. I thought this scene was suitably creepy for yeah. for this it guy's was. personal nightmare. Mm. Mm. I liked it. Yeah. yeah, I liked all the tumbleweed. Yeah, in the completely empty street. Briscoe in his silence. Joe empties his gun on Briscoe, and it's got no effect. And then Briscoe corners him on the gallows. Joe asks him if he's a ghost, and he just replies, Nope! <laughs> 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 and he sends him through the trap door. And he uh, takes the badge off of him. So in the next scene, uh, the former sheriff is the sheriff again. So uh, does it all it take to be a sheriff is you just get a badge? I guess. <laughs> It was very easy back then. No paperwork involved. No. <laughs> I guess. You, just, you could just walk into a town and be like, oh, I'm the sheriff now. Yeah. Well, you could just like sneak up behind the, the oh. sheriff, tap him on the shoulder. When he looks, snatch his badge and be like, haha, I'm the sheriff now. <laughs> oh, shucks. You just have to make sure you have a gun with you so you, he can't take it back. Yeah. 
so Joe falls through the trapdoor and uh, Bowler nabs him. Briscoe reveals that he was an English major theater minor. <laughs> then we cut to uh, Lord Bowler wants his bounties at the jail the next day. <laughs> He's very specific about each and every one of them. <laughs> Puel argues about the uh, worth of his bounty. <laughs> they even I, put the dog in the jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The dog is also behind bars. I wouldn't want to be stuck in jail with that thing. <laughs> so then uh, Briscoe and Bowler uh, leave town. They uh, were planning to uh, leave separately, I assume, but then uh, Bowler's kind of tagging along so he can Aww. snipe snipe uh, Briscoe's bounties. It warms my heart that they're leaving together. It was such a cute moment. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys want them to work together rather than be adversaries? or? No, we need, we need their fighting. Yeah? You prefer them as adversaries? Yeah. Okay. What if they were friendly adversaries? What if they met about a horse? <laughs> <laughs> what if? Mm. <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> so that's the episode. Any other thoughts about it you guys wrote down but didn't get out? Nope. No. <clears throat> uh, so next we do um, ratings. Who wants to do a rating first? I fucking love this episode. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really good. It had some good funny moments. A lot of good bowler stuff the singing we found out a little more about him and got to learn more about the well learn more about the orb but not sure it's really helpful and got to see santa claus so <laughs> i give it nine out of ten pinches to see if i'm asleep <laughs> nice all right i'm gonna give this one pretty much 10 out of 10 skunks in the loo i there wasn't a thing i did not like about this I think that they should have just skipped that second episode, didn't even need it, just go straight to this one. Mm. But I guess this one was technically, when it's broadcast, is supposed to be the second one? Uh, let me check on that. I have Wikipedia open right now. Okay. Um, yeah, it's listed, it, on mine, it's listed as the second one. Yes, yeah. And uh, Socrates' sister was supposed to be episode five. Wow. <laughs> After five, they're all in the right order, but actually from here on out... It's two, three, four, and then, why did they... I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. On the DVDs, they put one, then five, then two, then three, Maybe then they four, figured that Pete, six, was, seven, the, eight, Pete was the big draw. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know their reason. Anyways, it didn't screw us up too much. No, <laughs> not too bad. If for me, it's Socrates Sisters, if it would have been later, it would have been just like a filler episode. Yeah. Mm. Brad, what do you think? Uh, yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun. I really liked this episode. Uh, it's so much more enjoyable than X-Files mythology. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Briscoe mythology over X-Files conspiracy nonsense mythology any day of the week. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll have to go uh, 8 out of 10 uh, Christmas orbs. <laughs> Alright. I like this one too. Uh, I don't know, I didn't like it as much as you guys, I don't think, but uh, it was still pretty solid. I really liked the difference in Bowler here. I like, I like him in this episode. Uh, I'm gonna give it uh, 8 out of 10 lumpy, grumpy prison cots. <laughs> All right. Uh, I love this episode, too. There was a couple things that bothered me, like the, well, the pun and the <laughs> the singing a little bit, but... <laughs> Un- unforgivable puns. The unforgivable puns. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was never really bored this whole episode. This No. It was entertaining the whole way through, and we get some good uh, orb stuff and some good Briscoe and Bowler stuff, so I liked mm-hmm. it. So I'm going to give it a... 9 out of 10 John Bly eyes in desperate need of moistening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You guys want to do your high and low point? Yes. Can I start with my high point? Yes. (laughs) It was Lord Buller singing Amazing Grace. That was my high point, too. (laughs) 
You guys. That's why I had to go first. <laughs> do you, you guys want to share one, or do you want to choose a runner-up? Will mm. you can you can have. I'm okay with sharing if you want to share this one. Yeah, that's good. Aww, okay. Sharing is caring. <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> As Santa Claus would say. <laughs> I believe that was the Care Bears match. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something he'd say. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about you, Brad? What would you like best about this episode? Uh, I think highlight for me was the ghost Briscoe scene. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Because it's so badass. <laughs> I think my high point was the very end when Bowler and Briscoe ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Oh, the possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> but not in a, you know, not in a going to see a man about a horse way. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, if they want to do that, but I mean, that's not what I had in mind. <laughs> and I'll go with uh, my favorite scene uh, was uh, Bowler in the Jail, the reintroduction of Bowler. Uh, oh. Just had so many golden lines in that scene. And then low point, I'm going to have to go with... Uh, the whole have faith in, in the orb thing, I thought it was too vague. I want answers, damn it. I want orb answers. <laughs> um, no. You know what my low point is? John Black blurts out a pun. Uh, <laughs> I think my low point is the hitchhiking thumb. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard for me to pick one, but I went with Bly shooting Briscoe. Oh, yeah. That, that was your low point? That is a low point. Like it just made you feel bad, or it was an, actually a bad part of the episode? I just didn't like him shooting Briscoe, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, It's hard for me to pick one. Yeah, you can come at it with whatever way you want for your low point. Like, that could be. You just you just didn't like that scene, or it was like the low point of the episode, as in it made you feel the worst because you were into this, the episode. Or, yeah. Uh, heartbreaking. Okay, heartbreaking, yes. <laughs> I would have I would have given it, uh, agreed with Mel and said the pun was my low point although the ends well it was the worst thing but but since I gave this a ten out of ten I'm just gonna say no low point <gasps> no low point uh, whoa wow I I don't think you're gonna win again I don't she might she might I'm not optimistic that nobody else had problems in the slightest with this episode. Otherwise, I'm just going to put my vote on Mel's on the Facebook group. <laughs> wow, that, that's good because I my runner-up for the low point was the singing, so... <laughs> no! <laughs> let's, let's switch off because we want people to vote on the singing. Even though you had a beautiful singing voice, it just made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, so are you are you taking the pun and Mel's taking the... Well, I think we should do that. Yeah, yeah, we're switching yeah. Mel. Okay, sure. So Mel, so. switching by force. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just really want to see who loved and who hated the singing. Fuller serenading. <laughs> yeah, put it that way. <laughs> Briscoe on his deathbed. Death I don't All know right. if I'd want to be serenaded on my deathbed. <laughs> Mel, you're dying. You're dying right now. <laughs> this is the song because you're dying. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye forever. Uh, that was a private been... moment. No one else was allowed to listen. <laughs> I just took crickets chirping. Yeah. So you guys want to do some quotes before we get to feedback? Now, yeah, I have one. Pule. Says I happen to be the chief deputy. My name is Puel. Remember it because you'll want to use it as you scream for mercy. <laughs> that was a very empty threat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yes, and remember, Brad, you must do your best impression when you do your quote. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, do you want to go ahead with yours? Sure. Let's see. I got a couple here. I got oh. specials, special menu items. All right, get on with it. 
<laughs> I just don't know why he's so mad in that scene. He's just got, he's got no reason to be mad, but he is. So good. Yeah. Ow! Hey, what are you doing? I'm pinching you to see if I'm awake. That's not how it works. It works for me. <laughs> oh, also, there's the get off my bed. And maybe you got a little more respect for old, old Lord Bowler now. Well, certainly among all the active bounty hunters out there, you're the best singer. That's true. Humble. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bowler, sometimes you're so good, you surprise even yourself. <laughs> That's a completely fic- fictitious title, I presume? No, I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one, yeah. Brad, you got any more? Um, yeah, I've got this David Bowie line. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna steal my good at David Bowie. <laughs> oh, yes! Oh, I, oh, boy. Briscoe, you sprung from the loins of a worthless, pathetic fool of a loser. <laughs> When I shot your daddy dead, was to me like putting a bullet into the calf that's gone lame. And you always wanted to be like your daddy. I'm granting you that wish. Now, which which era of Bo- uh, Bowie do you picture saying that line? Oh, uh, any any Bowie. Like, <laughs> come on. It's, it's not a bad. Ziggy Stardust Bowie. <laughs> oh, that's <Yes>. weird. <laughs> Comet, that was a stick, not a snake. I don't want to argue about it anymore. <laughs> Anything else uh, before we move on to feedback? Alright, so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight feedbacks. Thank you very much, everyone. Awesome. First up is Heidi. This one is text. Do you want to read it, uh, Will? Sure. Hey guys, I really enjoyed your review of the pilot. Keep up the great work. This episode had an extremely long recap. I think we saw every scene that involved the orb up until now. There was a lot of if back in. There's a lot of. <laughs> A lot of, I guess. Uh, a lot of back and forth in this one. First, they're all in jail. Then they're all out. Then Bolish back in jail. Poor guy. Can't even get a meal first. And then Briscoe gets shot. Locking someone in with a skunk. A very unique yet effective way to get information. Mm. Briscoe got his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And he is now <laughs> a Jedi like his father before him. <laughs> Wouldn't it make more sense for Briscoe and Bowler to team up and split the bounties? They probably make... They probably both make more money that way. Maybe they'll figure that out eventually. <laughs> anyway, pretty good episode. I wonder what side effects Briscoe might have from the orb. Heidi. Thank you, Heidi. Some good questions. All right, so now we've got one from Daniela Cox for episode three. Brad, do you mind reading one? or? Sure. I hope there's no spoilers in any of these. I, I never pre-read them or, or, <laughs> or listen to them. I like to be surprised. As promised, my feedback for episode three, The Orb Scholar. The Orb Scholar is my favorite episode! Exclamation point! Yay! It's all downhill from here. (laughs) (laughs) I madly love this episode because though it is at times rather dark, probably due to its theme of revenge and guilt, it is nevertheless entertains a lot. By the way, I like the way the darkness reflects also down to the fact that it is partially set at night. It's also an episode that focuses a lot on the main character, though it even goes as far to almost lose him. A pretty daring move. Briscoe is portrayed as determined, his pursuing the Swill brothers, him not telling Bly anything about the whereabouts of the orb, alert and helpful, him immediately helping the rather reluctant Professor Coles. Yet the trait that intrigued me the most is that he is not revengeful. His remark to Donovan Joe that he could not forget, never forget, but he would forgive him is pretty sincere and suits his character well. Hmm. There is this blink in his eye, 
there's this blink in his eye that tells the story. Thus Donovan Joe functions as Briscoe's counterpart. He cannot give himself to believe in forgiveness and in consequence has been haunted by this guilt all his life. There is the nice visualization of it in the finale. No spoilers, people. Uh, I'm just going to read ahead just a sec. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should read the rest of it just in case there are spoilers. I'll take over. For future reference, uh, try to stay spoiler-free. Um, uh, then there's also Briscoe's... Mel, can you read ahead, maybe, as I'm going? I don't know if you'll be able uh, to do that. It's it's, it's probably going to be hard if I'm reading. But. It's weird because it's like... There's, really, also really, the, there's a bit of a language barrier yeah, issue yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think she might not have meant finale like the same way that we think of it. Finale of the episode? End of the episode? Yeah, maybe, yeah, I think maybe. so. I think so. Okay. It doesn't seem like anything. There's any spoilers, Matt. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you want to continue, Brad? Or sure. Okay. Then there's also Briscoe's adversary number one, John Bly, and he sh- and he surely is a scare. Briscoe, being all tied up, manages to bravely s- manage to bravely stand his ground during their first encounter. Yet the second time around in the saloon, though the position is reversed and Briscoe is holding him at gunpoint, John Bly manages to manipulate him quite easily. Certainly because he is well aware of Briscoe's Achilles heel, his father, and dwells a lot on it. Just look Briscoe in the eye, and it feels more like he is gripping his revolver tight, trying desperately to defend himself. Despite all of this darkness, the episode provides also a lot of humor. Briscoe and Bowler arguing, the conversation between Professor Coles and Bowler, Briscoe inventing hitchhiking, (laughs) and a skunk. Bly giving a new meaning to all's well that ends well. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, but sadly do not recall what was said in the German version because this pun does not translate. (laughs) Awesome. All of this is topped by the most daring plot twist of them all. When I first watched it, it had me sitting on the edge of my seat. However, However could they dare let Briscoe die? I mean, after all, this show is entitled The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. And how would it go on without him? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> the kill off the main character yeah. in the second episode. Uh-huh. And the most funny thing of them all is that it, I never felt cheated. When the orb, when the orb like a deus ex machina, revolves, resolves this obvious problem, this effect of total surprise and utter suspense was worth it. On repeated watching, this sensation never, ever fails to grip me. Just maybe because it also results in my favorite scene, which is the one between Lord Bowler and Dying Briscoe. And though I must admit that I believe that Bruce Campbell is a marvelous actor, nevertheless it is Julius Carey who steals the scene when he sings like an, when he sings like an angel. He puts so much soul and meaning into Amazing Grace that it resonates much deeper, that much deeper than the actual situation. It never fails to touch me very deeply. Thank you. Wow, thanks. That's, wow, uh, that was quite the email. Yeah, it's very like in-depth and uh, just totally dissected the episode. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy that. It was good, yeah. You yeah. should uh, hire her to take notes for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think she actually spoiled anything. I think it was just a... It was just like, yeah, the because she said finale. She just said finale and the alarms and then you went panicked. off in my head. I was like... <laughs> you like the finale when they all get killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so now we've got one from Bob DeGrand. Hi, this is Bob with feedback for the Orb Scholar. 
This isn't one of my favorite episodes, as there's no Professor Wickwire, no Dixie, and no Pete. On the plus side, we do have plenty of Grumpy Bowler. Grumpy when he thinks Briscoe is going to beat him to a bounty. Grumpy when Briscoe sits on him in the jail. Grumpy when he can't order the specials of the day from Waiter Todd. And Grumpy when he is getting information out of Puel. And of course, Bowler sings like an angel. The orb is back. So if there isn't an explanation for something which makes any sense otherwise, it is because of the orb. On Buffy, it's because of the Hellmouth. On Briscoe, it's because of the orb. The orb is mysterious in many different ways and somehow involves faith. Does this start to sound familiar to lost viewers? My favorite moment in the episode is Briscoe throwing a skunk in the outhouse with Puel and then banging on the door. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, thanks. Oh, speaking of, like, Lost and other things done by Carlton Cuse, we just started watching Bates Motel. You guys started watching that at all? Yeah, that's a really good show. Yeah, I really like it. It started out a little I, slow. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I, f- I didn't like it at first, but then it kind of it kind of pulls you in. Uh, this one's from Harold Wallen. Howdy, briskets. So, The Orb Scholar. This was, uh, in my opinion, the uh, best episode yet out of all three of them. Uh... I had a, a thought about Socrates' sister in the ordering of the episodes. I think that Socrates' sister was probably written as the second episode, but then once they had a few episodes in the can, they probably realized that it wasn't uh, as strong of an episode, hopefully, as, as the other one, certainly not as strong as, as uh, this one. So maybe they decided to uh, put on the side uh, and uh, put that uh some later episodes ahead of it and maybe rejigger the dialogue and put an explanation of how Pete uh, came to be revived and, and stuck that in, in a later episode. So maybe this was uh, you know written first uh, or originally uh, or shot first, but then they aired it later. Uh, okay, so again to this episode, uh, I thought it was pretty strange that there's a, a fellow out there whose whole life's work is studying this orb when presumably his entire life it was buried deep inside some mountain out in the west. Uh, how did he know about it? How long has it been buried there? How did it get buried in that mountain? Well, I guess we'll find out maybe. Uh, um, a couple of other thoughts. Uh, I thought immediately of Matt in that scene where Bowler uh, uses the uh, uh, fork to uh, grab onto the rug because uh, I immediately thought of the uh, hook rug dance uh, from Twin Peaks and that this was a great opportunity for Matt to uh, play that uh, when, while discussing the scene. Uh, what else? I, I really love that uh, Briscoe has, uh, has uh, conversations with Comet as they're trotting down the uh, dusty trails. Not just that Bris- Briscoe's talking to him, but that they're actually having a conversation. Uh, that, that's great. Um, other thought, uh, isn't it great for Briscoe that Bly is such a lousy shot? Because instead of being killed instantly, he's able to linger on, make it through a commercial break, uh, listen to Bowler tell a story about his childhood, and listen to that great rendition of, uh, of Amazing Grace, uh, and also get magically cured. Uh, so that was fantastic for, for Briscoe. I don't know how Bly, uh, uh, didn't get a better shot off at you know eight paces 
Uh, anyway, speaking of eight, uh, I'll give this episode eight skunks in a bag. See you guys in the fortnight. Happy trails. Thanks, Harold. Thanks, Harold. Okay, so Robin sent us uh, one next. Intro to Briscoe. It's Robin calling in. Um, got just a few notes here this week for the Orb Scar. Uh, first off, how about that three minute previously on, huh? Well, it reminded me of uh, what was going on in the pilot uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but then we had uh, Briscoe retell the events in the jail cell scene, which was helpful for those who still don't understand what's going on. A few points here. Uh, Socrates, who who dresses to play golf in the office? Uh, Only Socrates. Only a guy who would uh, pack his entire world's possessions to go look for his sister uh, last week or three weeks from now. Anyway, um... Yeah, did Briscoe totally just destroy Socrates' window just to be a dick? <laughs> I, I just kind of look like uh, perhaps he... I mean, really? Do, do you know if he just swung that hard playing golf in the, a little room? Um, that wouldn't it destroy his window? I mean, it just makes no sense to me that he wouldn't know that already. <laughs> um, okay, so... Comet gets a, a moment in the episode where he gets to take on one of uh, uh, Briscoe's uh, enemies and he holds his own, which is pretty awesome. He is an awesome talking magical horse that can probably fly. Um, I was disappointed to find out that Lord is a fictitious title. I was hoping that Bowler actually owns some lands and he's just doing the bounty hunter thing to you know, past the time before settling down with a lady. Um, Donovan Joe, played by Pat Skipper, who's uh, actually a character um, who plays a character on the X Files, but uh, not someone we're not gonna, we're not going to meet him till the end of season four. Uh, but he does know how to play a total dick, doesn't he? Anyway, um, other points here: Briscoe invents hitchhiking. That was pretty cool. I also enjoyed uh, Bowler sneaking out of jail on his tippy toes. <laughs> that man is awesome. Uh, I also, of course, loved the uh, scene where he, he sang to Briscoe. Man has a great voice. Um, what else? Oh, it's good to see um, uh, Bly here again, Billy Drago, who I realized, since he looks so familiar to me, he played Frank Needy. Uh, in the movie The Untouchables. Um, he also is going to be on the X-Files in, like, season seven, so that'll be long after uh, your next podcast, Matt and Mel. Um, so, what else? Um, pretty cool to see Briscoe holding a lightsaber. And, um, yeah, we had in that scene uh, uh, talking about... Uh, uh, the, the, the power of faith. I'm, I'm certain your uh, guest, Brad, might have had a few words to say about that. Right. And, uh, yeah, nothing funnier than to see a dog in jail, right? <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, that's all I had this week. I hope you guys have a great show and a great recording, and I should see you on the next episode. Bye. Intro to Briscoe. It's Robin calling in. Um, so just a few notes. <laughs> <laughs>
Robin. <laughs> it plays on infinity. Uh, <laughs> Rip, no, Robin, no. We have to hear Robin forever. Aw, <laughs> oh, thanks, Robin. That was great, Robin. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes, you found Briscoe out. He's just a jackass who wanted to break Socrates' window. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> And I love how uh, Robin guessed that uh, Comet was the Santa's Comet. Yeah. Brad went pretty easy on the orb. <laughs> he did, yeah. I think Santa Claus. I mean, Santa Claus talks a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I mean, yes, faith is a useless concept. Agreed. That's a given at this point. <laughs> You I gotta think give it, Santa a break. It's though. just it's just more fun to pick on Robin, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Robin. Yes. Um, and thanks for the picture. Those sunglasses <laughs> are delightful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to do the next one, Caitlin? Hi all, this feedback may be late. If so, my bad. If not, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I remember remember seeing bits and pieces of this show back in the day, but this is my first time watching the show all the way through. I don't remember too much about the characters. I believe I spent most of my time just thinking about how dreamy Bruce Campbell looked. Sorry, lost in my train of thought there for a second. (laughs) So just a few notes about this episode. The first thing, this episode begins with a most cringeworthy moment for me. Socrates mispronouncing my beloved home state, Oregon. Oregon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how we pronounce it in Canada, Oregon. <laughs> I know that Will lives in Portland. I'm hoping that he has already called this out. <laughs> yes. He couldn't let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but it is nails on chalkboard to me, and it took a while for me to shake it. <laughs> wow. That's Moving past this issue <laughs> and on to the next, I know that Lord Buller is a fan favorite, but so far he seems to be seems very one-dimensional to me. A bad caricature of a foil to Briscoe. I mean, his scowl is brilliant, but the rest is getting old. I'm hoping the end of the episode, when he is singing to Briscoe, and we get a little more background, will be the start of something interesting for our Lord Bowler. I could not imagine this being Julius Carey's favorite character he played without some more development. Oh. Another... Do you think that's referring to something she read where he said it's his favorite character? He did character? say that. It's on his IMDb page. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that stood out to me in the epi- in this episode, wait, in the in this episode is how creepy Bly really is. Most of the creep comes from the actor, to be sure, but the costuming adds a lot too. Who knew a puffy shirt could look so menacing? Also, his hat <laughs> really stood out to me. It has this silver ring around it that catches the light, making it almost look like a halo or part of a Cylon. <laughs> Either way, it looks unearthly, which makes me wonder what exactly is his connection to the orb. All in all, I like this episode, and I'm looking forward to seeing how things develop. I'm happy happy to be watching along with you guys. Continue the great work. Cheers, M. Marie. Thank you. Thanks for backing me up on that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think there are going to be aliens. It's okay if John Bly is one, but I think Santa Claus is an alien, too. Oh, yeah? Yes. Do you have any uh, theories, Will, or Brad, about where we're going with all the sci-fi? I mean, I I feel like... well. if it's not Santa Claus, for some reason, maybe, maybe, maybe some executives got a little uncomfortable. Was like, listen, we can't have it be Santa Claus, even though that's clearly the intention at the moment. <laughs> um, if they change their mind, I think it's got to be some kind of like wacky time travel thing going on. Mm. He's Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus, put on some pounds. <laughs> Get some audio feedback from Moira. 
Hello, my little briskets. It's Moira. I'm just watching the Orb Scholar uh, the evening before you are going to record, so I'm getting this in well under the wire. First thoughts, opening sequence when they talk about the back story of the Orb and where it uh, disappeared really was reminiscent for me of the backstory of the Ring from Lord of the Ring. Um, after Isildur refuses to throw it into Mount Doom and he is shot with arrows in the river and the, um, the ring is lost, at least for a time, uh, under the water. Cool. <laughs> of course Socrates takes up golf. That's just, that's perfect. <laughs> oh, nice friendly town. We uh, have a gallows handily being tested as we ride in. Ugh. Ugh, his ex-buddy Don is just a weasel. Ugh. Is it just me or does Bly kind of look like a freakish David Bowie? Okay, we're 20 minutes in, and I'm just, I'm kind of bored. I'm hoping this, uh, this picks up a bit. <laughs> I'm watching him go down the stream, and I'm expecting him to pop up right beside the orb, which I know is ridiculous, but... <laughs> I think I know what it is that's bugging me. This Donovan guy, he's just like a plastic character. Puel is a plastic character. Uh, there's just not a lot of depth to these guys. And I think I'm more interested in knowing about the orb, actually. Dog sliding across the room on Rug is actually kind of funny. Oh, come on, you can't think Bly's gonna fight fair. Come on. I guess I have to wait and see. No, of course he's not gonna be fair. Whoa, oh, I didn't really think he'd shoot him. I have a feeling the orb is going to save Briscoe. That's my theory. We'll see. <laughs> Please notice it was a gut shot. And from other TV shows, X-Files, we know it takes a while to die from one of those. What, this guy can implant ideas? He's like a pusher. Oh my god, it's an X-Files crossover. Oh, we get an interlude, a musical interlude. But I don't believe for a minute that our buddy Briscoe's gonna die, so... There's not really a lot of tension here. Now this part I like, the little orb scene. This is cool. I kind of hope that Briscoe's old buddy, Don, Donovan, whatever his name is, hope he touches the orb and then he melts away like a guy out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ugh. What, he's like impervious to bullets too? Hmm. <laughs> the dog's in jail, that's funny. Okay, it's just done. So I kind of like the bowler um, and Briscoe interaction toward the end. Bowler's kind of growing on me. Um, what was my complaint? That the uh, sinister characters are a little bit too cardboard, too cartoonish. I hope they flesh them out better in future episodes. Um, but this one was okay. I mean, you know, uh, again, a little predictable. But, you know, I think I'd give it a solid 6 out of 10 um, Lord of the Ring-like orb backstories. Um, anyway, all right, gonna send this out to you guys and can't wait to hear what you think, as usual. Take care, little briskets. Bye. Thanks, Moira. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, she touched on a lot of the same stuff that we did. <laughs> mm. Um, I think I agree. Uh, she probably put the she hit the nail on the head about why the things I didn't like about this episode was, yeah, Puel and uh, Donovan, they were very cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to Bly and Pete. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right, I think we just have one left, right, Caitlin? Yep. This is from Matt Bays. Okay. Un momento. 
Hey there, briskets. It's Matt here with some brief thoughts on the episode The Orb Scholar. We get an extensive recap of the pilot at the start. I'm wondering whether this is related to uh, some of the issues around running order that, that you guys have spoken about before. Uh, it seems if, if this was supposed to be the second episode that, that that recap perhaps wouldn't have been necessary. I like the scene towards the beginning where Briscoe and Comet break up a, a robbery. Uh, at the start of that scene, uh, you hear the end of what appears to be an argument between them um, uh, about something that they encountered, which presumably Comet spooks at, and whether it was a stick or a snake, uh, I like that. And then uh, later on in that same scene, uh, I like the way that uh, the two of them team up to, to halt that robbery. I like Briscoe hinting to, to his comments to, to take down the guy that he was supposed to be doing. I think this episode sees a, a change in the relationship between Briscoe and Bowler. Um, we see towards the end, after the scene where Bowler uh, performs his rendition of Amazing Grace, where he sings like an angel, um, Briscoe, after that, touches the orb and removes one of those nodules, uh, which looks like a lightsaber. And uh, we see some genuine affection from, from Bowler towards Briscoe there. And at the very end of the episode, the, the two of them uh, ride off together, uh, and it appears that, that they're now going to be partners going forward rather than adversaries. I think the one thing that the, this, this show is struggling with a little bit at the moment is getting the balance between the uh, sci-fi elements and the Western elements. We, all the stuff around the orb in this episode, it seems to be underplayed a little bit and is almost like an afterthought, and I'm not sure that balance is quite right at the moment. Um, there's clearly something going on. Bly and Coles have both uh, clearly got some sort of uh, relationship with, with the orb. They both encounter sort of supernatural elements, it seems to me here. A uh, bit of weirdness going on. Um, I liked the character of Coles. I think he was under, underplayed a little bit here, and uh, I'm not sure whether we're going to see him again. I, I assume so, but I can't be certain of that at this stage. As always with these, my favourite bits of the episode were the, the silly bits. We had Socrates in his golfing outfit at the start, and actually on that, uh, Briscoe's got quite a good golf swing for somebody that's apparently never played before. Uh, I enjoyed the, the scene with Bowler dragging the dog towards him to, to get the key so he could break out of jail, um, and then when he, he releases himself from the cell, uh, him tiptoeing off, I enjoyed that. Um, and the skunk was the other the other silly part of the episode that I enjoyed as well. Um, overall, I think this was, this was pretty solid. The funny bits I did, I did laugh out loud at. Um, it's moved the plot with the the orb forward a bit, and we had some good interplay between Briscoe and Comet, my favourite character. Overall, I would give it eight out of ten aggravated skunks. Looking forward to hearing what you guys thought, and I'll speak to you next time. Cheers. Uh, thanks for that, Matt. So that's all of our feedback. What else do we got? Anything else to do? We got prediction uh, prediction for next time. Uh, so the next episode is called No Man's Land, and I dare you to come up with something for that. <laughs> well, they're going someplace very dangerous. I would guess it takes place in a, a desert, and there is a serious lack of resource, and they have to... Okay. Bowler is tracking Briscoe across the desert, and Briscoe is tracking like an outlaw who's like an underling of Bly. Mm. And they get stranded in the desert. Yes. Okay. Brad, did you have anything? 
you guys, you're very close, but I think clearly, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's the desert. I think it's the North Pole. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Otherwise known as Canada. <laughs> Canada's no man's land. <laughs> They're going to Canada's no man's land to find that orb. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I'll look forward to that then. Um, yes. All right. So that's the end of this one. Uh, Brad, how about you plug your podcast? Sure. Uh, you guys can find me uh, trying to make it through the X-Files on Intro to X. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a tough struggle. We are through, we're in the third season? Yep. Oh, getting there and getting through it. Almost there. Almost. Uh, well, what are you, a third of the way through? Maybe? Is it nine seasons? Yeah. 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 A couple movies. And a couple movies. Yeah. So we're, 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 making, we're making steady headway through that. It's fun times. Uh, you can also hear me on the Ramjack podcast, uh, having fun and shenanigans and talking about a lot of 80s sitcoms. All right. Um, Will, what do you got going on? Oh, just down below a intro cast about Babylon 5. Elizabeth, who we heard from earlier, is one of the co-hosts. We're on the fourth episode of season one. All right. Out of five seasons. Do you do that every week? Yeah, every week. How many seasons of that show are there? Other five, and then there are six or seven movies. Whoa. Holy cow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did they reboot that series at some point? No, there's been talk about it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh-huh. It's not anytime soon. For some reason, I thought there was more than one series of that show, like like similar to uh, Battlestar or something. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, thanks for coming on with us, Brad. Yes. Good times. Uh, I missed you guys. Yeah, Aww. missed you too. Our old Twin Peaks podcast co-host. Check in uh, every now and then and uh, let us know how you're enjoying Briscoe. Definitely. Post in the Facebook group or something. All right. So... Yeah, we'll see you guys in two weeks' time for No Man's Land. Bye. 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 This is so fun. So fun. <laughs> yes, we'll never. Goodbye. Be <laughs> Goodbye. Let's all, well, let's all serenade as we. Go. Yes. <laughs> this is just this is just for you, listener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do a rendition of a song from the the Bone Trap family. <laughs> Adieu, adieu, see you, and you, and you, and then we'll do the end. That's the best part. <laughs> Maybe we need to do that uh, song for the, for the, the secret uh, song. The secret I kind of want you to find like a, a a song sung by Julius Carey. Like, there's got to be some other song out there. <laughs> Maybe it's YouTube's. Yes. All I've ever found on him in YouTube is clips from Last Dragon and uh, clips of him in commercials. Oh yeah. <laughs> Beer commercials and stuff. Hmm. <laughs> I almost watched The Last Dragon, but I figured I'd save it for <laughs> yeah. we'll do an episode about it. Yeah. We'll most likely be doing that as a bonus episode. Yeah. Too. yeah. I don't know if we should just do one Julius Carey movie and one uh, Bruce Campbell movie. I don't know. Why put a limit? I yeah, we should do them all. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. the movies. I doubt that. Because <laughs> how could you pick a Bruce Campbell movie? Come on. We'd put it to a vote. Oh. What's the Inland Empire of Bruce Campbell movies? <laughs> <laughs> huh. Oh, well. Thanks for joining us, folks. Be sure to tune in again in two weeks' time for the next exciting episode. In the meantime, please be so kind as to follow along with us and send your feedback to introbrisco at gmail.com. 
If you'd fancy to, you can join our discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash intro brisco. Also, we're on them newfangled Twitters at Intro Brisco, and we've got one of them fancy blogs at introbrisco.blogspot.ca. Merry Christmas, everybody, and a rock and roll new year. Now, baby doll, sweet pie, sugar plum, honey bun, angel face, you know you better be good. Act like a true fine lover should Be careful what you say and do Cause Santa Claus is watching you He's everywhere, he's everywhere You better kiss me and hold me tight And give me good loving every night Cause you'll be sorry if you make me blue Santa Claus is watching you. He's everywhere, he's everywhere. Well, you may think you can sneak around and get away with something, but there ain't no way. Cause Santa's no fool, he's real super cool, he's the secret head of CIA. East, ash, and crime don't pay. You can't do nothing cause you're never alone. He's even got a wiretap on your phone. So baby, if you ever do me wrong, break my heart and leave me alone. When Christmas comes, you'll be crying too. Cause Santa Claus is watching you. He's Watch out. Look out there. Santa Claus is peeping around the corner at you. You are in deep trouble. You know that? It's over for your kind. You go sneaking around here, you ain't gonna get away with it. You understand? I mean, you got to be true blue through and through, because Santa's gonna get you.